0: Hi, everyone. I am Leandra Parks, and I'm your host for the Hopecast today. I'm joined today by our senior pastor, David Dwight, and we are here to have a conversation about some questions and ideas about life and faith in under 30 minutes. And today, we'll be talking about every heart is a kingdom. So, David, in a recent sermon, you the, the statement that stood out, out to me was, Every heart has a kingdom, and no kingdom can survive with more than one king. Mm. And I thought that statement was so profound. And I want us to talk a little bit more about that statement. Perhaps we can break it down into two different parts. Mm-hmm. When you when you mention every heart uh, has a kingdom, mm-hmm. What, every heart
1: is a kingdom. Every yeah. heart is a kingdom. Mm-hmm.
0: What what do you mean by that phrase?
1: Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is that whether we knew it or not, we, as we begin to grow up a little bit, we begin to embrace an idea like we call it my life. Mm. Okay. So this is my life. And this is what I want to do with my life, Mm. right? And in a certain way, we are beginning to articulate that I run the show. Mm. It's mine. It's my life. I can remember, I don't know if little kids say this anymore these days, but when our kids were little, if they were frustrated or upset, they might say to Elizabeth or me, of course, uh sort of unwittingly, "Well, you're not the boss of me, <laughs> right um and parents could take that and go with it wherever they want to go with it, but right, even as a little child you're you're sort of saying, "I'm the boss of me, right. <clears throat> well." How do we as human beings find our place as individuals? Mm -hmm. God made us with dignity, value, placement, significance. Um, But we are, biblically speaking, we're not the king, the Lord of our lives. Right. But in a fallen world where sin has a result of creating self-preference, and self-elevation, then we tend to sort of say things like, "This is my life." Um, so many years ago, when I was really asking questions about faith, and I was really beginning to learn about who is Christ for the first time in my life, mm-hmm. my experiences of learning they weren't always easy, and I would say. From a time of really getting serious about inquiry, learning, and trying to understand Christ, to finally saying yes to him as Lord and Savior, that was probably about an 18-month period of time Mm. of very active questioning, reading, researching, examining. And I remember a a guy said to me, a Christian guy, well-meaning but probably not the right words at the right time, he said to me, well, David, I think what you just need to do is give your life to Christ. This was mm-hmm. his phrase. Okay, so now as Christians, a lot of Christians will hear those words and be like, I understand what it means. Right. It, it's kind of christian ease, right. so to speak. And I didn't, I'd never really heard it before. Mm-hmm. And my response at that time was, this is my life and I'm not giving it to anyone. hmm like actually giving it,
0: giving it, right? Yeah.
1: We're not talking about, you know, do you love someone? Do you get married? I want to give my heart to you. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, We're talking, this is my life. I'm not giving it to anyone. The least of whom is uh, a guy I've heard about named Jesus, who I don't really believe in, who people say died and rose again. I'm not sure I buy that. That's the way I would have seen all that some 40 years ago. Right. So all of that is getting at ways that Whether we know it or not, unless we have articulated receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior Mm -hmm. in our lives, um, we look at it with the idea this is my life. Yeah. And I'll do with it what I want. Mm -hmm. If we have had truly, if we've truly come to a place of yieldedness, repentance is a biblical word. Then we're saying, you know what, God, my life belongs to you, right? And I want to serve you with it. Yeah, but going from the former to the latter, for people who I think I want to say take Jesus seriously, when he starts becoming real to you, it depends a little bit on how old you are and some of what your perspectives and your personality and all of that are. But if you take Jesus seriously, Once he starts becoming real to you, the Mm -hmm. possibility of who he is, and we don't sugarcoat it, and we don't turn him into something he's not, like a cute little pussycat.
0: No, put him in a box.
1: Put him in a box, make him a cute little pussycat. Then you begin to realize when you start really learning who he is, he's, he's either king and lord of my life or I am. That's true. And that's a confrontation. It's a clashing of kingdoms. And I think lots of people who—I'll use the word broadly—sort of had an adult conversion to Christ, adult meaning old enough that they were really processing and thinking about these things on their own for themselves. Mm -hmm. Usually, once Jesus starts becoming real, this creates a crisis. Like, wait a minute, you're telling me this guy's saying he's the Lord of my life? He's the King of my life? Lord, King, same basic idea. So— um. We're going to get a clashing of kingdoms. And so I was referring to when King Herod learned about the birth of Christ in Matthew chapter 2, you get most of this narrative. There's this really fascinating batch of sentences where it says, King Herod was disturbed when he learned about the birth of this one called the King of the Jews.
0: Mm.
1: So you've got two kings being named here. Right. And what Herod is going to do is absolutely everything he can to eliminate this other king. King, Right. So it's like an outward uh, sort of political picture of what happens in human hearts Mm. once Jesus Christ becomes real to us. And at first, most of the time, our natural reaction is to try to eliminate him. Like, I'm not buying it. This is my life that's what i that's what i would have was right. was doing yep until one way or another for one reason or another god gets your attention enough to come to a converted place and yeah. say <clears throat> okay i realize that you're the lord of my life um so then what we do uh, another common thing i think for most of us is we then we, we can sort of say I'm a Christian, does that mean to you that you have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Mm -hmm. Some Christians would say yes. Other Christians would be like, no, I hadn't said that. I just go to church. Right. Right. So there's a broad range here. But um, the issue that becomes a challenge for many of us is we kind of live our lives with us being king and Jesus being king. Mm. Like, I'll do the king thing, and Jesus will sort of be along for the king ride. The problem is king is a singular superlative, mm-hmm. right? No country ever had two kings at one time at the same time, right? There's one king. Right. Right. You don't have simultaneously the kings of England kings, serving right. at the same time. Um, you don't have the kings of Spain, king, whatever. It's right. one king at one time. Mm-hmm. Right. And and this is true. So I was referring to the fact that and y- you might have a lot more insight on this because of your uh, Bahamian background and much more knowledge about British politics and the crown. Mm-hmm. But I was referring to sort of British politics and how this is confusing to me. Right. So they have a prime minister yes. and then they have now that Queen Elizabeth has died, um, you have King Charles. King
0: Charles. Yep. Right.
1: So so they have a prime minister and a king. Mm hmm. To an American mind that's used to one person who's called president, this feels confusing. So it's like, who calls the shots? Like, who's really the one who calls the shots? Mm -hmm. Well, at this stage of life in England, the monarchy is meaningful, but it doesn't have the governing power. Right. So the prime minister is the head of the government and has the governing power. Yeah. For many of us, one way or another, we have tried to be a Christian by having both a prime minister and and a king. Mm-hmm. And so we're saying that Jesus is the king mm-hmm. when, in fact, we're the prime minister, and he's a figurehead, and it's nice to have him, but we haven't actually given him the governing power. Right. We have held on to the governing power. We're, we're the prime minister. Yeah. So that's kind of this idea of every heart is a kingdom. Every heart is a kingdom. And so when Herod goes on this tirade to eliminate Jesus, it's like an outward picture that's violent of what generally happens inwardly when people begin to learn about Jesus. And it's usually not violent that way, but it usually does present a crisis.
0: Yeah. So so when I I think of this topic, um, having two kings, um, I also think of, you know, sometimes we as individuals, we can put God going back to putting God in a box, Mm -hmm. um, meaning that, okay God, I am I'm going through this tough thing right now and I need you for this. Mm -hmm. But everything else around Mm -hmm. my life I can take care of and I want you to stay in the box until it's time for me to like call upon you.
1: Right, which means you're calling the shots.
0: Right, right.
1: So you're the prime minister, you have the governing power and you're deciding to tell the king where you want him, when you want him, how you want him. Yeah. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I think we do tend to do that.
0: Yeah. So how do you think we as Christians can can um focus more on having only one king god Mm -hmm. um as the the control of our lives and and what i i also think of this too as sometimes it's very difficult for us to surrender surrender is a word that comes comes to mind when i Mm -hmm. think of this topic Mm -hmm. um surrender just daily things that we we have to to -hmm. deal with surrender Mm -hmm. um our troubles and our, our um, you know, different things that we go through in mm-hmm. life. So mm-hmm. how how do you think we as Christians can mm-hmm. can really um, focus more on, and focus is not the correct word. How, how can we um, allow God to be the center
1: mm-hmm.
0: of our hearts and mm-hmm. reigning supreme as king?
1: Mm-hmm. You've articulated a lot here that's really meaningful, um, your illustration about sort of God saying where where he can operate and where he can't, mm-hmm. um, the, There there's so many ways that, that we do tend to do this. And I once heard the quote, the Christian life is the process of increasing the territory of your conversion. Mm. And I don't remember who said it, but it's it's similar to what you're saying. Which is, we may invite God into a portion of our lives. Yep. The Christian life is a process of increasing his portion mm. to, to have the whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, now, depending on where a person is when they hear this, I'm sensitive to this. If a person has a mature faith life with God, they might be hearing this and think, "Yep, yeah, I appreciate all that. If a person is somewhere not that far down the continuum, which I also respect and appreciate, this sounds scary. Yeah. And I remember that one million percent. Like, mm. hey, you need to give God more control in your life. Mm. If you're relatively new to this or not a Christian, that's scary. Right. And I totally appreciate and understand that. Um, there was an old timey. More or less a parable that a guy wrote about this. My guess is somebody could look it up online and find it. It was a little pamphlet. I mean, back in the days of pamphlets, like fifty years ago, and it was called "My Heart Christ's Home," and it was written by a guy named Robert Munger. I think he went, you know, he went by Bob Munger. But anyway, he takes this analogy and he basically says life with Jesus begins where kind of Jesus knocks on the door. This is from Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and be with them. Yeah. Um and so you invite Jesus into the front foyer. You're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, come on in, we'll chat here." And you're like, "But that's far enough." Like, right. you, you know, I'm happy for you to stay in the foyer and we'll chat for a minute, and then I'll say nice to see you and you're on your way. Um well, what if Jesus says, "Hey, how about can we can we can I see a little bit more of the house?" Mm-hmm. And depending on where we are in our faith, we're like either yes or no, right. but the parable plays itself out as we start to feel comfortable and like the idea of Christ in our home, our my heart christ's home and and we start giving him access to more rooms, mm-hmm. right? And the way he plays it out is like, okay, now we're going upstairs. And then Jesus says, How about this room here where this door is closed? Can we go in there? And you're like, Uh uh-uh, uh, we're not, no way. That's <laughs> off limits to you. You can't go in there. Right? That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a story, but a helpful one that illustrates this. So your question was, in a sense, how do we grow in this way to give God more, more kingship? Yes. More control, yeah. more authority? Yes. This is, a, I think, it's a big issue in in today's American version of Christianity. We live in a culture we've talked about this that um, is the supremacy of the individual, yeah. and so the idea is, "I am my own man and I call my own shots." Mm. And this is deeply embedded in the American psyche. Yep. So it's pretty tough when that's your cultural foundation mm. to come along to Christianity and meet the one who says actually I'm king. Mm. I'm the one who has all power. Mm. Um so I think this is a process of growing in our faith. I think we're going to do like a almost a part 2 to this mm-hmm. because part of it is growing to trust that Jesus's governance in my life is actually better than my own. Mm right because for much of this we're like I know what I want, I know how I want it to go. Right. And I know what to do to get it there. And so Jesus this is off limits to you. Right. So how how do we give him more and more of the lordship? Part of that is like essentially our conversion of our heart that grows to trust him more. Mm that I actually am beginning to see and understand and embrace. I think my life is a better life when he is driving than when I am. Mm-hmm. But that's a process, and yeah. that does not come overnight. like a lot of stuff. This is growing in the Christian life. Um, actually believing— Mm-hmm. that his vision for our life is better than our vision for our life. Mm. Like, hello, like, are you kidding? Yep. Right? <laughs> That's, I think that'll be sort of part two. Um, Can you think of like any times, I mean, at a level you're willing to share where you've sort of had a little bit of this two kings thing going on?
0: Yeah, I think it was a time when I wanted to, I was in the process of like, changing jobs Mm -hmm. um i applied to this job and um the the individual i knew and wanted to hire me and he said just name whatever you want in terms of like salary and to me i was like that's
1: never happened to me (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i've ever had a job where somebody said name whatever you want yeah just name just name your salary all
0: right and um I really wrestled with it mm. because at the time I was like, yeah, I could name my price. And um, in terms of the monetary value, I will be in a position where I can do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something in my heart that was tugging at me saying that that was not the right thing to do.
1: Okay. Like it.
0: And um, the story's getting good. <laughs> and so... I like I prayed about it and me and the individual we met a second time. okay And um the conversation between the both of us went really well. Um, but I still did not give him, you a know number the, well, um. not a number, nor did I give him, um like, you know, like a verbal agreement that I'll work for him or not. Okay. It was more so of me like, okay, let me see how this meeting is going to go uh-huh. um, with him the second time around. Yeah, smart. Um, and he, he still was like, Hey, I want you to come and work for me. Just, okay. just come and work for me. Anyway, right. long story short, <laughs> um, a week later, I just felt that it just was not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just told him, thank you, like, thank you for the opportunity, and I did not pursue that.
1: Mm. Um,
0: I went to another company that— And
1: would you say that that was largely the result of having a sense that that God was leading you to not accept this job? Correct. Yeah. And and are you suggesting that with, quote, you as king, you're like, Mm. here's an opportunity for me to tell this guy a big number and get a job that's got— Right. You know, a lot of money for me yeah. in it. And you had this sense that God's saying, that's not the way to that go. That's not the way to go. So yeah. there's a bit of a wrestling match.
0: Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. a wrestling match. But I also didn't, like, I wasn't at peace. I felt that when I told him, you know, when I finally, you know, emailed him and say, hey, you know, I just can't accept it. I can't accept, mm-hmm. like, I'm working for you. That's when I felt peace. Mm-hmm and to to bring this this story full circle mm-hmm. um even this year i realized that his organization is no longer you know an organization anymore okay so um long story short it's just really for me it was mm-hmm. just really trusting god <clears throat> and Knowing that whatever like God has the best for me, even mm-hmm. although like with this wrestling in my mm-hmm. in my soul, mm-hmm. I still had to be still and know that God had something more mm-hmm. better in store for me.
1: it's such a great that just your personal example is so great because um it's practical and understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, my hearing that wants to think that okay you had that experience mm-hmm. you believe that god led you in that way yep and you're starting to think okay i remember when this happened and mm-hmm. i had a sense from god to go in this direction when maybe left to my own devices i would have gone in a different direction right you've seen a a very good result yes and so it it builds your confidence yes For future experiences, experiences, like, I think I really want to ask God to lead this. To lead this, As compared to me doing what seems immediately appealing.
0: Right. And I also think of this as, you know, the world standards versus God standards. Mm. Like, yeah, when you, like, you know, in terms of, like, the monetary value, if I was still in the world, like, yes, that would look good, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, who doesn't want more money? Mm-hmm. But for me, being a Christian, I still want to be led, you know, with God's standards mm-hmm. and God as the as the forefront.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that was the best decision.
1: Thanks for sharing that story. I have a feeling for people who are listening, just hearing you articulate that, might be really helpful, and hopefully there might be one or two specific people who are in a place where hearing you articulate that is really helpful yeah. so um this this idea of god i want I want to give you more and more of the territory of my heart yeah. um that's something that may be easier to say than to do mm-hmm and this is part of the process of growing in our life of growing to trust God.
0: Yeah. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks for a great story.
0: Thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope this episode was encouraging to you. You can find the Hopecast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast app. If you would like to know more about Hope Church and our ministries, Here in Richmond, Virginia, you can visit HopeChurchRVA.com.